Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your word each week that challenges us and teaches us and draws us into your presence, that helps us understand what is important and true and right and how we are to live. And so we ask that you would bless us in this time as we seek to know your word and to live it out. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. We are getting to the, near the end of Acts. We have this week and two more, and then we are done. And so we remember our theme verse, Acts 1.8. Let's say it together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are words that Jesus has given to us to challenge us and to remind us that we are filled with the Spirit and we are empowered by the Spirit. We are empowered to be his witnesses there's a story of a young boy named Danny after Sunday school. His mom asked him what he learned. And he said, oh, we learned about Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. Really, his mother said, well, tell me about the story. He said, well, Moses was a big, strong man. And so he beat Pharaoh up. And then he and, and the Israelites, they, they ran as fast as they could so they could get away from the Pharaoh. But the Pharaoh and his army went after them, and they got closer and closer, and so they went to the Red Sea. And then Moses called on his walkie-talkie on the Israeli army, and he asked them to bomb the Egyptians. And at the same time, he asked the Israeli navy to build a pontoon bridge, and they crossed safely across it. And then as the Egyptians were trying to cross, they bombed that as well. His mother looked at him and said, is that really what your Sunday school teacher taught you? And Danny kind of lowered his head, well, no, Mom. But if I told you the story she told me, you'd never believe it. <laughs> it's amazing how God's stories are miraculous and wonderful and sometimes seem a little hard to believe. For those who do not believe, or those who are not Christ followers, it can sound a little bit crazy when they hear these stories. There are stories that can make us sound out of our mind. And we see this happening with Paul in Acts 26 as he's telling the story and he's thought to be out of his mind. So Paul gets uh, another opportunity to share his events. He's, he's in front of King Agrippa now and King Agrippa gives him a chance to, to talk about all that's been going on. And it's really interesting that, that Paul says, well, be patient with me as I tell my story. Kind of insinuating this is going to be a long story, right? And so we... We see, as we come to verses 4 and 5, and when you see the yellow, please read along with me. The Jewish people all know the way. I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. You know it's going to be a long story when he says, well, back when I was a child, right? When you start the story being a child, because I'm sure King Agrippa just thought, well, aren't you just going to tell me about what happened at Jerusalem? Why you got arrested? But Paul starts back when he's a child. Why? Because Paul knows that our story with God starts back when we are born. It starts when we are young. And he says, when I was young, I loved the law, and I followed the law, so much so that I became a Pharisee, so I could uphold 
the law. And then he starts to talk about the resurrection, about Jesus being raised from the dead. Remember, last week we talked about how the resurrection is the foundation of our Christian faith. As in the resurrection, Jesus has won victory for us in sin and in death. And God gives us that victory both here as we live our life on this earth and into the life that is to come when we will be with God in heaven forever. For those who believe, they will receive this power and this wonder and this glory that God has promised to us. So then Paul asks King Agrippa a question in verse 8, where he says, Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? See, for Paul, the raising of Jesus from the dead is not incredible because Paul has experienced the power and the presence of God working in and through his life. He has seen the power of God work through his teaching and through his miracles and through his very salvation and the forgiveness that he receives. He, he has experienced the power of God, knows the power of God. So for, for God to be able to raise the dead, that is nothing for God, Paul knows. And Paul helps Agrippa to understand Paul's change in thinking once he has met Jesus. He talks about meeting Jesus, right? On his way to Damascus, he, he met Jesus, and, and Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And then he gives Agrippa a little bit more perspective of the call that he received. As Jesus spoke to Paul, he said these words, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. After this, see, Paul is talking about darkness and light, Satan and God, about being sanctified, in God. And Festus hears all this, and then he responds to Paul in verse 24. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. Now, it's not good when the person who is judging you thinks that you're crazy, right? Festus is the governor, remember? He's the one who has authority over this trial. He has brought King Agrippa into it because this whole thing has perplexed him. And now he's got his judge, Festus, thinking that he is crazy. Why does he respond this way? Well, for those of us who are Christ followers, for those of us who are Christians, what Paul says seems relevant and believable and acceptable. But for people who are not Christ followers... What Paul is saying sounds a little crazy, a little far-fetched. Paul is talking about raising someone from the dead. While we know Jesus and that that's happened, Festus does not know this. So Jesus being raised from the dead sounds impossible and therefore a little crazy, right? He talks about hearing a voice from the sky and having this conversation with Someone that's in the sky, right? Doesn't that sound a little crazy to you? And so it's not surprising that Festus is thinking that he sounds crazy when he's telling these stories. He's not acting rationally. Even though he might not be guilty of the crimes he's being accused, he's, he's not sounding rational. 
There's a story of a man who was told by God to go to these evil people and to tell them to turn from their ways. But this man hated these evil people. And so instead, he, he turned around and he went the opposite direction. And he boarded a ship thinking that he could escape from God, that he could hide from God. But then God sent this great storm upon the ocean. And this man knew that the storm was because of him, that God was angry with him. And so he jumped into the water to save the people in the boat. But God wanted to save this man, and so he sent a big fish to swallow him up. And for three days he spent his time in this fish. And after the third day, the, the fish vomited him, vomited him onto the shore. At this point, he was thankful to, to still be alive, and so he went to this evil people, and he told them about God, and they told him, they to, he told them to turn from the evil ways, and they did. Now, the story I just told you, you might be familiar with. It's the story of Jonah. And you'll find it in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. So you hear, see Jonah in the upper left, going to the ship, jumping in the water, the fish comes, swallows him, and vomits him onto the shore. The, the stories in the Bible are so fantastic, so wonderful. I mean, there's so many great stories in the Bible. Upper left, you have Noah and the ark and the flood, right? How God flooded the, the earth. And then, of course, upper right, the story I told about the Red Sea. Of course, it's a little different than how Danny told it, right? God's <laughs> opened the waters and the people crossed. Or you have the story in the bottom left of God sending manna when they didn't have food. Manna, food from heaven for the people. Or in the lower right, when they came to this place and there was bitter water and they needed good water to drink. And so Moses took his staff and touched the rock and the water came out. Story after story, there is God doing these great and wonderful and magnificent works for his people. Yet, those who do not believe, when we tell these stories, they look at us like we are out of our mind, right? What about the stories of Jesus? There's a lot of amazing stories about Jesus, yes? I mean, Jesus, think about it. We're told that he fed five, over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Think about that. What a great story. That makes you sound a little crazy, right? Or the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead after being dead for three days, being in there for three days, and Jesus raised him from the dead. What about the story of the woman who had been bleeding for years and years and years, suffering this for years, and then she touched just the, the hem of Jesus' cloak, and she was healed. And sometimes we say, well, yeah, it's in the Bible, but are they really true? Let me go back for a moment to the... Um, a couple of stories I told from the Old Testament. I came across these news articles, really interesting. Uh, there's a, they found it recorded in the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, a story about, or information about a man covered with white, cracky coating. A, rec, a record of him arriving in Nineveh, which is now Baghdad today. And scientists, as they looked at this, say that the coating was from digestive juices. Interesting report that was found. Or, uh, Article that says, Discovery lends credence to account of Noah's flood. Ancient building found in Black Sea shows people lived in area that is now underwater. 
And it's interesting that when these things are found, we realize, wait a minute, they're not just stories. These have been proven in many ways. I mean, time and time again, archaeologists find things that show that the stories of the Bible are really true. They're not just stories. See, story after story, we hear of God's amazing and wonderful acts. We hear these and we're touched by the love and the power and the grace of God, by the, the love and the grace and the power of Jesus. Yet for those who do not believe, they sound like crazy stories. So how can we justify them to non-believers? We'll come back to that in a moment. But let's look for a moment what others believe. I mean, a lot of people believe that there are more than one God, right? They believe in many gods. It started way back with the Romans and Greeks and still continues today. Evolution. Science over creation, or worshiping creation instead of the creator. Let's take a look at each one of those. See, we were created to worship. That is how we are created. And so if we don't worship God, we will worship something or someone. We will worship. That is how we are created. And so it was interesting. I looked up the Roman gods and you know, there's a lot. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but there's a lot. And I'm not even going to mention all of them, but let me just mention a few of the Roman gods that existed. I'm going to mention first the ones that you will recognize. Apollo, the god of the sun. And then you have Cupid, the god of love. And you have Jupiter, the king of the gods and goddesses, god of lightning in the sky. You have uh, Mars, the god of war, and Mercury, the messenger of the gods. You have Neptune, who's the god of the sea, and Pluto, the god of death. You have uh, Venus, who's the goddess of love and beauty. These are gods that you've heard, right? But here is a few that you've not heard of. Calus is the god of the sky. Diana, the goddess of the moon. Juno is Jupiter's wife and goddess of marriage. You have Minerva, the virgin goddess of wisdom, handicrafts, and strategic warfare. You have Proserpina, Proserpina Pluto's wife and goddess of spring and queen of the underworld. Terra, the goddess of the earth, and Vulcan, the god of fire and blacksmith. Now you look at that and you think, people say it's crazy when you believe in Jesus, but it's not crazy when you believe in all these other gods? Think about that. Or you have evolution, right? You have people believing that, that this big explosion happened and somehow it created the, the universe that we live in and slowly over time, over thousands and thousands and thousands of years, Things evolved, and we evolved out of apes, right? And from apes, we became humans. And, and, and they believe that science has more proof than creation. And, and so people believe evolution over creation. And they don't think that's crazy. Romans 1.25. Read the yellow with me. It says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served creation. And who is forever praised. Amen. They worshiped the creation rather than the creator. They look around and they see the beauty of creation and they see the power of nature and they worship Mother Earth, right? Instead of the creator who created it. This is really crazy thinking and so God gave them over to this crazy thinking and we are told in Romans 8.1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
But those who do not follow Christ Jesus, they are condemned in their own crazy thinking. People would rather believe science or nature or coincidence or their own power than believe in the all-loving, all-powerful, all-saving God. As a young man, Josh McDowell considered himself an agnostic, a person who does not believe that God or the things and nature of God can be known. And he thought Christianity was a waste of time. It was worthless. But he was challenged to intellectually prove that Christianity was not true. And so he took up that challenge. And in doing that, he discovered compelling and overwhelming evidence that the Christian faith is reliable. And not only is it reliable, but it can be proven. And because he became a Christian, his life was changed dramatically. And he committed himself to talking about Jesus and the truth of Jesus to all those who did not believe. To all who doubted, he made it his goal to share the truth of the gospel with those who did not believe. So one of the great results that came from Josh McDowell becoming a Christian is he wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And in this book, he answers questions that non-Christians raise about Christianity, right? People who do not believe, they have all these questions, they have all these doubts. And so he took all these questions and he wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and he answered these questions. Then later on, he wrote another book called Answers to Tough Questions. Now, Answers to Tough Questions is probably a little bit easier to access than Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It's a little more on the scholarly level. But both books deal with important questions that people have about why is Christianity true and all the different questions that people might raise when they have doubts. So one question that is asked very often is, why is Jesus the only way to get to God? So let me read a little bit of what he says. The first point is that we did not invent, invent the claim of Jesus being the only way. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He then goes on to talk about how God created us in his image. And after the fall, when Adam and Eve has sinned, God provided a way for us to be saved by taking on flesh and dying on the cross for us. And then he goes on to say, if there is any other way that God could have done it, he would have. His death illustrates the fact that there is no other way. Then he shares an illustration. He says, suppose a group is, is hiking along, and they get a little lost, and they come upon this fork on the road, and there's two roads that they can go on. Without them knowing, one way is going to lead to their death, and one way is going to lead to their safety. And then along comes a park ranger and tells them which way is the way to go for safety, which way they can go, which path they can walk on to be safe and to get back where they need to be. Wouldn't it be crazy to ignore the, the park ranger's words and take the other path? I mean, the park ranger knows what he's talking about, and he says, take this path, and this path will get you back to safety. And that's what God has done. God has said, here is Jesus, my son, who has died for you for the sins and paid the penalty. And if you want eternal life, if you want to be saved, take this path. 
wouldn't it be crazy to not take that path? So Paul, in response, says that he is not out of his mind. He says in verses 28 to 29, Agrippa says to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Paul understood the importance of knowing the truth, of knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Paul knew that there was no other truth that was important to share more than this truth. Paul gave his life for this. And it was because of this call and this commitment he had that led him to be where he was now in Caesarea before King Agrippa. But he would not have changed it for anything. Why? Because he was preaching the most important message that could be spoken. He was speaking in front of a governor. He was speaking in front of a king. He was speaking in front of many people who were lost and who needed Jesus. And so God had placed him in that place so that he could tell them about Jesus. You will find that our world doubts Christianity. You will find that they will doubt what you share with them. And in fact, when you talk to them about Jesus, and when you talk to them about the resurrection, and when you talk to them about God's power and all these amazing stories, they will think that you are crazy. But you're not crazy. Because we have the truth. And we have proof that this is the truth. They are lost and confused, maybe afraid. And so we need to have love and compassion for all those who do not know Jesus Christ. And we need to make sure that we are committing ourselves to knowing the truth, living the truth, and sharing the truth with all those around us. Let us pray.